Well, hey, if you were here last week, welcome back. You made it week two. Hey, you're doing great so far on uh, your New Year's resolution and maybe wanting to come to church more. All right, so you're doing a fantastic job. Here we go. One, two, three, boom. There we go. The lights are on. We don't have lighting in here, so we get to flip a switch, and the only person that bothers is me. Okay, so uh, that's fine. Hey, I'm so glad you're here today. We're going to start a new message series. Uh, we're going to spend two weeks, and we're going to talk about the idea of we over me. Come on, y'all say we over me. We over me. Come on, y'all can be a little louder than that. Come on, we over me. We over me. All right, so before we get started, I'm going to rub a little salt in the womb a little bit. If you're out here, you're a Titans fan. Um, we will not be watching them play today, uh, which... It's terrible. I'm just going to be honest. I love the Titans. I love, I've, ever since they moved to Nashville, I've been a fan, like a big fan. I love watching them. Well, last week, about eight days ago now, was one of the worst days in our franchise's history, right? Like our team, the Titans, we have struggled all year. We've played 90 players on our active roster. That's unbelievable, by the way. If you don't care about football, that's crazy. Our, our, the biggest star in the NFL, all right, the biggest running back in the NFL gets injured, like week whatever, eight, wherever it was, right? He can't play for half the season. He finally comes back. Our, our best wide receiver goes down. He comes back. He's there for the playoffs. And, man, our defense last week was on fire. We had nine sacks, nine, nine sacks last week. All right, we were going crazy. Our quarterback, I've screamed some things I shouldn't have said at him on the TV. He had a little bit of trouble getting it going right, but we kind of stayed in the game. I'm like, good Lord, just get us past this game, and we'll play better next week, right? And all of a sudden, it comes down, the last play of the game, right? Right before this, Ryan Tannehill, he throws a pick. The team's coming down. It's a tie ball game. There's hardly any time left. And then the rookie kicker for the Bengals. What's his name? I don't remember his name. McPherson. What's his name? McPherson. Money. The door's right there, sir. I'm sorry. So he, he comes out here, right? Evan McPherson, that's his name. He's a rookie. His coach goes to him on the sideline. They're about to kick a field goal to win the game, the first you know playoff game. They've never made it this far. It's the Bengals. They're terrible, right? The coach goes up to Evan. He says, Evan, the only thing you do on this team is kick field goals, buddy. And we need you right now. Like, we're counting on you. Like, we need you to put this ball through the uprights. And apparently, this kicker goes up to the quarterback and says, how does it feel to go to the AFC Championship game? Before he goes out, he goes out, and then this happens. Y'all check this out. Okay. Worst day of the Titans fan right there. That's worse than losing the Super Bowl, by the way, with a yard short. That was terrible. But his coach went to Evan McPherson and said, hey, we need you. And that man stepped up and he put the ball through the uprights. And we get to watch them today at 2 o'clock, I believe, is when their game comes on. And I hope the Chiefs murder them. I really do. I, really, I hope that. I really do. I don't hope that anyone gets hurt, but, you know, it is football. If someone does, whatever. I'm joking. I'm joking. But, hey. Unbelievable. I was screaming. Stephanie can tell you, me and my son were screaming at the TV, losing our minds. I They showed Ryan Tannehill defeated on the sideline, and I yelled things I shouldn't yell at him. And then the next day, we got to start our church here in this location. So I'm a human just like you are, okay? I don't like it. But I remember 
I was actually put in a similar situation one time, but it was much higher stakes than this. All right. Uh, it was 10th grade. I was in Coach Nunley's history class. And I pride myself on being great at really stupid things, okay? Um, and we had just got done studying a chapter in our history book. And I went to, and I always tried this with my teachers. It rarely worked, but this time it worked, okay? I went up to Coach Nunley. I said, Coach Nunley, if I can wad up this piece of paper and I can throw it into the trash can on the other side of the room, will you just let us not take the test this week? And he looked at it. He looked at me and said, sure, right? <laughs> Y'all, I took that ball of paper. I wadded it up real tight so it would fly. You know, you can't have a loose ball of paper when you're trying to do this, right? So I, I wadded it up tight, and I'm telling you, background music came on. And I was slow motion walking to my spot in the room where I was going to do this. And all of a sudden, the cheerleader in my class looked at me. She's beautiful and said, Clint, we're counting on you right now, right? Like, and I said, I got you, girl. Right, and I'm, I'm headed up. Steph and I were actually dating at this time, so that didn't really happen. But I, I walk up to my spot. I wad up my piece of paper. I didn't even take a practice stroke. I mean, this is how confident I was. I just went like this. Boom. Nailed it. Did not have to take the test. It was one of the greatest moments of my life. I'm going to be honest with you. But in that moment, it was we over me. I had to perform. I, they needed, my 10th grade history class needed me in that moment, right? And I came through. I'm happy to say I came through. No one in that class is in here right now. But hey, if you ever listen to this, by the way, if you're watching somehow, you're welcome. All right. So, but hey, we all get put in positions sometimes where people need us. Evan McDermott, man, he, he was needed in the moment last week in the game. And guess what? That joker drilled a kick. Through the uprights. So did every other kicker, by the way. Every game, except for one last week, came down to a field goal where that one guy is just, I mean, the whole thing's riding on him. Maybe that you're that person. Maybe you grew up playing sports and then you were on the foul line at the end of the basketball game and your team was counting on you like, hey, buddy, we need you to make these foul shots. Like these free throws mean a lot right now. Maybe you've been there. Maybe for you, you're, man, you're the breadwinner in your family and you, you're the provider. Man, your family, they need you. They need you to go to work. They need you to grind a little bit so that y'all can eat and have a food on your table, right? You can have a, a roof over your head. Moms in here, stay-at-home moms, how many of y'all know y'all are needed? My goodness, I, Stephanie went on a cruise last week. I was by myself at my house with all my kids. Thought I had COVID last week. I didn't, thank God. And uh, and so I'm sitting here, at the, I, I, let me tell you, my kids are needy. I'll just tell you right now, they need a lot all the time. I know how, I, I, that, that last week I knew how a uh, stay-at-home mom feels. I'm like, why do people want to do this? I don't understand. <laughs> she got home on Friday, and I'm like, got to go write my message. See you later. Right? Like, you, you're, you're so relaxed now. Come on. But, man, we all are needed at some point or another. And, uh, and I, love, I love the idea of being needed. Some people thrive under that pressure, right? Like, some people want the ball at the end of the game. This kicker for the Bengals, apparently he liked having that pressure. I don't mind having that pressure. I kind of like it. If we're playing board games at our house, if the final question comes out to me, bring it on, baby. I'm going to send you home right now on this board game. But there's other people we've had in our house that don't like the pressure. Like we play some group board games in our house. We love board games in our house. And we play some games in our house, and, and I've seen people at my home Man, the pressure's on them, and they want to crawl under the couch and not be seen. Like, half of us in here might love the pressure. Half of us in here might hate the pressure, being the one that, like, people are counting on, right? Like, being the one that everyone is looking at for the answer, or being the one. Some people hate that. 
And whether you hate it or whether you love it, I'm either going to make your day today or I'm going to ruin your day today. Okay, welcome to church, everybody. It's going to be great. But let me tell you right now, if you're a person that hates it when someone really needs you and really counting on you, or if you're a person that really loves it, I want to, I want to just tell you something today. Is that people need you. And I, don't, I want you to hear me. People don't need me. Some people need me. But man, people need a you. Man, they need a Michaela. They need my dad, right? They need Danielle. They need Miss Donna right here. They, they need not just a person. They need like actually you. Like they need you in their life. You have, God has given you something that they need and you're the one that is to bring that thing to that person. People need you. And that doesn't mean that they don't need God. Before anyone gets mad at me for saying that, of course they need God. They need the God that's inside of you. But man, God has given you some gifts. God has given you some insight. God has given you wisdom that I don't have. God has given you a past. God has given you some experiences. God has given you some things that you need to give to others. And there are people everywhere waiting for you specifically. Not y'all, for you. Like people need you. Now, I don't know if that sets well with you if you're like, what is he talking about? People don't, Clint, you don't know me. You don't know what I've been through. There's no way that people can need me. And let me just tell you, I hope by the end of the message today, you can go, man, I do. People do need what I have. People do need what God's given me. So today, we're going to be in Acts chapter 9. So if you have your Bible, get it out. If Get your phone out. Turn it on. Whatever you want to do. Are there any people that actually have a Bible, like a real Bible in here? Emily and Danielle, come on. Y'all get free coffee after this, okay? It's on a cart back there. Y'all can go get it yourself. All right, but uh, man, uh, I, I, today actually, man, I've, I've got this new love for God's word. And this has nothing to do with the message. I just want to say this. Um, I have this new love for God's word. A few of the guys at our church have been doing something called 30 Day Shred, where we, today is January 30th, and we have read the entire Bible as of today. And, it, and, and we finished it today, and I was I listened to it. Full disclosure, I listened to it. I didn't read every word in there, but I listened to every word. And uh, man, there's just something about God's word that will change you. And let me just encourage you, if you're new in here and maybe you haven't been in the Bible for a while, uh, we get this backwards a lot in the Bible Belt, but, the, but you spending time in God's Word is, about, is not about you getting into God's Word. It's about God's Word getting into you. And the only way you can do that is to read it, consume it. And so I just want to encourage you, if you need a real Bible, we will send you one. Some, one will be on your doorstep by Tuesday morning, all right? And we will send you one. You can, it, it, it is our gift to you if you want that. Come see us. There's something about physical copy of God's Word that's amazing. But I use version all the time. It's a free app. Download it. Anyway, all of you might be having that right now anyway. So anyway, um, go to Acts chapter 9. We're going to talk about one of, my, one of the, my favorite stories. I love this story. And we're going to read a lot of this. We're going to go through verse 18 or 19. And, uh, and so, but we're going to kind of break it up into small chunks. So we're going to start in verse 1. I love this story. It's awesome. Check it out on the screen right here. It says this. Meanwhile, Saul, y'all say Saul. Saul. All right, if you're not from Tennessee, that's Saul. All right, but we say it like Saul, like a Saul. All right, so Saul. Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager. Say eager. eager. He was eager to kill the Lord's followers. Thirsty for blood, baby. So he went to the high priest and he requested 
letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation to arrest any of the followers of the way. Y'all say the way. the way. I love you. Put a pin in that. We're going to come back to that. He found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, he was looking for everybody, back to Jerusalem in chains. So here's what we need to know about Saul. Y'all say Saul one more time. Saul. Saul would later become a person named Paul. Y'all say Paul. Paul. All right, so Saul and Paul are the same person. He's not being called Paul yet, all right? But he's Saul, and Saul is a very angry man. He's a very angry man, and he's a very violent man. And his goal was to kill any person or at least arrest any person that followed something called the way. And I kind of hate that. I don't hate. I love being called a Christian. But I love this idea of something being called the way. That's what the very early believers of Jesus were called. They were called the way. And I think that's really interesting because especially here in the Bible Belt, man, we're so religious. Like we're, we're so religious. We go to church just, just because it's so, so just what we do. Uh, that's what we've been doing. That's what our parents did. And it's kind of religion. And we forget that Christianity is not just a label we put on things. It's actually a way of life. And the followers of Jesus back then, they were called the way because it was way more than just going to someone's house for church. It was a way of living your life. And Paul, or Saul, he hated this way of life because it went against his religion. He, he grew up Jewish, and to him, Jesus was not the Messiah. Jesus was not the one that they had been waiting for. And so anybody that came against his belief, he was like, i got to stop him. And I will stop it. I mean, I will take any means necessary to take them out. So he was literally responsible for killing who knows how many Christians. He was responsible for arresting who knows how many people that followed the way. He was a bad dude. And now we know Paul. If you go to church, if you've been to church before, you know Paul. Paul wrote most of the New Testament. Paul was one of the greatest Christians of all time. We wouldn't be sitting in this room if it weren't for Paul. But man, back then, if you were a Christ follower... You were terrified of Paul. You were terrified of Saul. Why? Because that dude would have you stoned. And I'm not talking about like the, the good kind of stone if that's what you do, right? No, no, this is like they take big old rocks and they kill you. Like stoned to death. And so Saul was a part of doing this. And he had just gotten orders from the high priest, from the high government officials in the Jewish community there. And they, and they gave him permission like, hey, anybody you find in Damascus, Arrest them, bring them back here, we'll take care of them. And when they get back there, I guarantee they'll probably die. So let's keep reading. Here we go. Starting in verse 3. It says, as he was approaching Damascus on his mission. Oh, baby, he was on a mission. He was thirsty. He was going to catch some people. He was on his way. He was on a mission. A light from heaven suddenly shone down. Y'all say shone down. Shone down. We're going to remember, remember that in a second. Around him, he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul. Why are you persecuting me? And Saul asked, Who are you, Lord? And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you're persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless. You would too, okay? You'd be pooping your pants probably a little bit, right? For they heard the sound of someone's voice. They heard what was going on, but they didn't see anyone. Saul picked himself back up. He picked him up off the ground. But when he opened his eyes, he was blind. He could not see. So his companions led him by hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days 
And that dude didn't eat or drink. Now, this guy was shook up. Have you ever been shook up by something before where you're like, I don't know if I can function right now, okay? Like, um, have you ever gotten the text of someone that just said, hey, I just tested positive for COVID? And you're like, dang it! You know, you just get shook up. And, and that happened to me this week, but I'm good. I tested negative. I'm all right. But that happens where you're like, oh, no. And my, my, the mom is out of town right now, and I'm battling this. Uh, but, man, have you ever been shook up before? Saul, he was shook up. And when Saul, he actually retells the story several times in the book of Acts to different people. He would go up in, some, from, from, uh, in front of some officials and uh, he would retell the story. And based on those accounts of the story, we know that this light shined brighter than the sun, which is crazy. And this happened at midday where the sun is actually at its brightest. And the word that he used for shown down, right? That, that word that's used in the original language for shown down actually could be translated as a flashing light. So imagine something like lightning that's brighter than the sun is happening around you. And all of a sudden that thing starts talking to you. Like you would be freaked out. You'd fall on the ground too. You know what I'm saying? Like this dude was terrified. He didn't know what was going on. And all of a sudden this thing starts talking to him and calls him by name. And it says, Saul, Saul. And this dude right now is probably like, this is the end. Like, this is the light at the end of the tunnel, I think. Like, I'm dying right now. And he doesn't know what's going on. And now we don't know this next part to be fact, but a lot of theologians think and agree that Saul was very likely involved on the outskirts in Jesus's life. He was actually most likely a part of the council that tried Jesus and sentenced him to a crucifixion. He was probably there. He probably heard Jesus teaching in the synagogues. He probably saw Jesus perform some signs. He was one of the religious people on the outskirts. This is something that's agreed upon by a lot of different theologians out there. That was 70, I didn't even realize that. And so uh, I, I think it's a really interesting thing that Saul all of a sudden hears this voice. To Saul, why are you persecuting me? Like, what's going on? And all of a sudden, uh, Saul says, who are you? And that voice replies back and says, this is Jesus. And when Saul hears this, he knew that it was Jesus because he knew what Jesus' voice sounded like. He knew in that moment, I believe that he knew in that moment that his whole life, the work that he devoted his life to, was wrong. Because in that moment, he knew that there was no question that this was Jesus, the one that had risen from the dead, was speaking to him right there. And so, man, this guy, not only did he have this crazy, scary encounter, but now his whole world got turned upside down. I mean, this guy's like, I've been doing what? He's probably now... He gets led to Damascus, and he's sitting there, and he's blind, and he doesn't eat. He wasn't fasting, by the way. This dude was freaked out. He gets to Damascus. He's not even eating. He's probably sitting there thinking like, man, I cannot believe that I had that lady stoned a few months back. Like, what are her kids going to do? I can't believe all these families are completely torn apart because I arrested him. And it ended up being true. I, I cannot believe what he's probably feeling shame. He's probably feeling guilt. He's questioning like, what has he given his life toward? What he's given his life towards all wrong. And he imagine how he's feeling. He's feeling this for three days. This guy 
has had this crazy encounter. He's had this crazy history. And now he's sitting there and he's like, what have I done? And I think some people even in here maybe have come in here. And, and you, hear, uh, you hear these songs sung. You hear us talk sometimes. And you're like, man, Clint, I'm coming in here and I'm full of shame and guilt. I, you don't know what I've done. I've done some stuff that I'm not proud of. Things have happened to me that I don't even want to tell anybody about. Well, let me tell you right now. I'm so glad you're here because of what happens next in the story. Let's keep reading. It says this in uh, verse 10. It says, now there was a believer. Y'all say a believer. I love this. Oh, y'all aren't ready for this. There was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. I love this. A believer. Now, y'all don't know what Ananias, you might know, but y'all don't know what Ananias is about to be asked to do. But he didn't go to, notice it doesn't say like, hey, uh, one day God talked to an apostle, a person that had firsthand experience with Jesus. That's what we call apostles. Apostles are people that had interact, physical interactions with real life Jesus. Didn't he, God didn't call one of those people. It doesn't say that, hey, and now one day there was a disciple, like one of the 12 disciples. Man, they were sitting, God called one of the 12. No, no. What they're trying to the picture that Luke is trying to paint as he's writing this is, no, 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 an average believer, just an average person. There was nothing special about Ananias. He hadn't been with, he had been a person that had converted from Judaism to be a follower of the way. He was just a normal person that had put his faith in Jesus. We don't know anything about his background. We know that he wasn't an apostle. He was not a disciple. He was just a normal, average, everyday believer. He has this relationship with God, and one day God sends, or talks to him in a vision, and he says, Ananias, and he replies, yes, Lord. And then it goes on to say this, verse 11. The Lord said, hey, I want you to go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas. Notice how specific this is. This is how we know this vision is from God. It's very specific. God is telling him to do something very good. Hey, go to this street. Then I want you to go to this person's house on that street. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He's praying to me right now. Saul ain't sleeping either, by the way. All right, so this is happening in a vision, right? Most likely some sort of a type of dream. And Saul ain't sleeping. Saul's praying. Saul's like, God, I don't even know who you are right now. But this whole thing has just been turned on its head. I, God, I need you right now. Please, please, please. And while he's praying, God's answering that prayer. He's going to Ananias. He says, hey, I want you to go find Saul. He's on Straight Street in the house of Judas. I've shown him in a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so that he can see again. Now, if you're anything like me, or if you're anything like Ananias, you would reply the same way. So Ananias has heard about Saul. Saul's kind of famous. Why? Because that dude would come in and kill everybody in this church right now if he could. He would hate it. And so Ananias, he says this. He says, but Lord. Y'all say, but Lord. but Lord. Come on. But Lord exclaimed Ananias. He didn't just say it. He exclaimed it, right? He exclaimed it. I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. Like, man, this guy's got a reputation, right? And he, has, he, and he is authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls him his name. Like, God, surely you don't want me to go to that guy. Like, are you sure that's the right person, Saul from Tarsus? Like, 
I can't be hearing this right. Many of us have this same response. When God is asking us to step into something, man, we have this, but Lord, ah, I don't have the time. Oh, but Lord, like, that person, like, really annoys me. Like, are you sure? Like, I really don't, like, are you sure? But, but Lord, I, you know, I, if I do that, it's going to be one more night out a week. And I just, you know, I, just, I don't really. But Lord, and all, we're real good at the but lords. You know, like, we're really good at coming up with the, these excuses. And Ananias, he started. He said, but Lord, listen, man, this, and he had a valid excuse. No one in here is going to kill you, by the way, if, you, if God says you do something for him. Ananias had a more valid excuse than anybody in this room. He said, uh, Lord, he's killed people, and he's probably going to arrest me if I show up at this house. I mean, I, all of us would have the same thing. But Saul needed Ananias. Like, Saul was begging God for something. He was praying. He was praying to God whenever Jesus had this vision with Ananias. And I want to tell you right now that there are people everywhere. We can sit on the front porch of this place and throw a rock and find somebody that is needing one of you right now. Just like Saul needed Ananias, your neighbors need you. Your family, your extended family, they need you. The people you see at the gym, they need you. Your co-workers, they need you. The people that you interact with at the grocery store that you look at and you go, God's going, hey, you need to help them. They need you. Why? Because they're praying for a you. They're longing for a you. They're not longing for Oasis Church. Okay? I love this church. We started this church. No, no, no. But this church is made up of people. I hope this church is going to be made up of people that are going to say yes to Jesus so that we can be the church outside of this place. Man, I don't care what happens in here. Man, I want you to take this out there to those people. Because those people need you. They, they, you are an Ananias to them. God's calling you. God's bringing someone up in your mind right now. God is calling you to meet the needs of somebody else. But we've gotten real good at finding excuses as to why we won't. I know for me recently, just to let you know, like I, I obviously... Uh, Steph and I pastor this church. I love, I've, I've given our lives to this. I love this. We're living the dream, baby. I, I, every day, even the times I'm frustrated, I've got people in my life that remind me, like, hey, this is what you signed up for, big boy. Like, hey, you're living the dream. And I am. I love it. But a couple weeks ago, I just kind of made a decision. Like, I'm not just a pastor of Oasis Church. I want to pastor this community. And so when there's someone at the gym that, man, they share something with me, like this happened a couple weeks ago, like, hey, I'm going to pray for you right now because I love you. I, I just, they, God put me in that place for that specific purpose. And we're just going to, hey, we're going to pray right now. Boom, pray at the gym. I would be embarrassed to do that because I'm like, I don't want to be the weird Christian guy. But hey, that's what I signed up for. I'll be the weird Christian guy. I'm cool with that. Like, hey, I, I will pray for you because, man, people need that. And that's just the calling that I feel like God's given me. And so when I feel the Spirit move me, man, I'm not going to make an excuse. I'm just going to I'm going to do what God's called me to do. That's what I've decided to do. Some of us need to decide that. Quit making excuses and be the person that God needs you to be to somebody else. So let's, let's read verse 15 again. It says this, but, but the Lord said, hey, uh, after Ananias gets done, he says, God, listen, I'm a little afraid of this. Please don't do it. Here's what God says. He says, but the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument. 
this murderer, this person that has abused the church, that has wreaked havoc on the early believers, who just the chapter before stoned a guy named Stephen, the very first martyr. Saul was holding the people's coats that were stoning Stephen. That guy is God's chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles. That's a big deal. We don't understand how big of a deal that is. Let me explain this to you. If Paul hadn't have had this encounter with Ananias, we would not be sitting in this room. Why? Because at this point, the church was only growing within the context of the Jewish community. And so there were Jews, and everyone else that wasn't a Jew was considered a Gentile. But God is saying to Ananias, hey, hey, this whole thing that you're following is way bigger than your people group. It's for everybody. And I'm going to use Saul to take it to everybody else. And to kings, as well as the people of, of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Now, I love this next part. So Ananias went and he found Saul. He didn't protest a second time. He didn't hesitate. He went and he had to find him. He, it required work. That dude had to get up on his camel. He had to go to Straight Street. He had to knock on doors and find this guy named Judas's house and knock on the door. His heart probably pounded, and he gets there, and he lays his hands on Saul. Huge deal. This is the moment where Ananias is receiving Saul into the family. He's lay, and it's a big deal. He's going, and he's laying his hands on Saul. Saul couldn't see he couldn't see him walk in the door, didn't know what he looked like. But I promise you that when he laid his hands on Saul, I would guarantee, I would almost guarantee, I don't know this for sure, and I can't know this for sure, I would guarantee that he began to weep. Because he's thinking, there's no way that these people are going to accept me after what I did for them. And not only does he lay his hands on Saul, his first word, Brother Saul, hey, you're in our family now. Hey, brother. You're a part of the family now. The Lord Jesus, who, who what does it say? Uh, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Come on now, I love this. Instantly, after this moment, after Ananias had followed through and done what God told him to do, after that moment, the scales begin to fall off of Saul's eyes, he became filled with the Holy Spirit, and immediately he was baptized into the family of God. None of this happens if Ananias hadn't had a mindset that said, hey, this is we over me. I can choose my own comfort, my own safety. I can choose my own preference. I don't even want to be around this dude. But he had a mindset that said, no, 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 no. God told me that Saul is the chosen instrument to take this thing, this way of life to the world. It's we over me. I'm going to go. I'm going to do it. We over me. If there wasn't an Ananias to go over to Saul's house, there would not be a Saul. We wouldn't be sitting in this room. The church would not have made it over here. The Bible wouldn't have even been what it is today had this moment not happened. We love talking about Paul. I love Paul. He's one of my heroes in the Bible. But there is no Paul without an Ananias. And I'm sitting in a room right now full of people that are like Ananias. There are people out here that need you to follow through what God's telling you to do. And let me just tell you, you never know what's on the other side of your obedience. But let me tell you something, there's always something on the other side of your obedience. 
always. When you obey God and you do what God's called you to do, he never lets, He never leaves you hanging. There's always something on the other side of your obedience. There's always a Saul moment on the other side of your obedience. There's always the thing, maybe even the thing you've been praying about is on the other side of you just obeying God and just doing it. So my question to you is this. Are you going to be an Ananias? Are you going to do what it takes to follow God? To unlock that thing inside of other people? Live beyond yourself. Are you going to have the we over me mentality? Because people need you, specifically. Like, they need you. God's called you to do a specific purpose, and people need that. And the best thing is, is that you already have everything you need to make it happen. God tells us that. God's given us everything we need to live a life of godliness. He's given us everything we need to pursue the calling. We don't have to work for it or get it. When we accept Jesus, God, we already have it inside of us. The question is, are you going to say yes and are you going to be the person that takes it, uh, to, uh, that's going to unlock the thing inside of the saw? Because here's what I know. There's not a harvest problem. Like there's a lot of things that need to be harvested out there. The Bible says there's not a harvest problem. There's a worker problem. Here's what it says in Matthew chapter 9. It says, Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is great. Like, the har there's a lot to be harvested. There's a lot to be brought into God's family. There's The harvest is great, but the workers are few. Like, hey, and here's what that means. If we just decide we're going to be all in and we're going to go for it, there will be a harvest of people that need Jesus. There will be a harvest of people that need to know that they have a hope in Jesus. There's not a shortage of that. There's a shortage of Ananias's. We have too many people that just want to watch. They don't want to work. My question, are you going to be a worker or are you going to be a watcher? I don't want to be a watcher. Watching's no fun. Because you don't get to enjoy the work. You don't get to enjoy that interaction. You don't get to enjoy when that thing pops off in someone's brain. You don't get to enjoy it when you see that person flourishing in a relationship with God because you went out and said, like, that's when you get to truly find fulfillment. That's when you truly get to just be joyful. It's when you're living outside of yourself and you're in the work of God. So are you going to be a watcher or are you going to be a worker? That's my question. And I hope that we decide we're going to be workers. Man, we're going to get up here, and we're going to set this room up. Every Listen, I want to shout out our dream team, wherever you are in this room or if you're out there. Come on. Y'all give them a hand because they decided they're, they want to get to work. It matters to us that you come into an environment that feels that feels nice and just excellent. It looks good. It hopefully smells good. That there's paper towels in there that are worth something, you know, that if you need to wash your hands. And they, they get this room all set up every single week. We got a guy, Kevin, back here doesn't even know how to run sound. Running sound. He's doing a great job. Why? Because Kevin gets it. Our dream teamers get it, man. We're, we're not going to be watchers. We're going to be workers. And we're doing that because you are sitting in this room right now. And who knows what God's speaking to you? I'm excited to see it grow. I know for me... Um, I, thankfully, I had amazing parents that put me in uh, church. I mean, I was basically born in church. I feel like I've been in church my whole life. Um, and there were people that were Ananias to me. 
along the way. And I would, I'm telling you right now, I wouldn't be married to Stephanie. I wouldn't be standing up here if it weren't for a man named Aaron Walker. I love Mr. Aaron. Aaron, I hope you watch this one day. I think it'd be great. But when I was in eighth grade, I went to summer camp, and I felt like God was calling me to be a worship leader. And the problem was, I didn't know how to sing, and I didn't know how to play any instruments. I didn't have nothing, and I wanted to play guitar. And I get up in front of the whole church and share this. I mean, I, I was ignorant little 13-year-old, however old you are in eighth grade, right? Like, how old that I was. I'm like, God, I just want to be, I feel like God's calling me a worship leader. We're at our camp share service. Many of you have been to a Long Hollow camp share service. All right, come on. This, this was when the dome was still there, everybody. If you know what I'm talking about, the big old Hershey kiss out back, right? And I remember sitting there. I shared this. A couple weeks later, I get a phone call from Mr. Aaron Walker. Aaron calls me. says, hey, Big Red, I want you to meet me at the, the church. Everyone calls me Big Red. That back then, or some of them still do, but it's fine. And so I meet him at the church. I, you know, my mom worked at the church at the time, and and uh, I hop in his car. We were just driving. I loved him. Mr. Aaron was awesome. I didn't know anything about him other than he worked at the church. He was an awesome dude. That dude takes me to a shop, takes me to the row of guitars, and says, hey, I want to buy you whatever guitar you want. It's yours. And that unlocked something in me. And let me tell you, I couldn't play that thing. I had to learn how to play it. But Aaron was an Ananias. He looked a little boy, little eighth grader. That voice was probably cracking. He had pimples, you know, in the dead middle of puberty, right? And didn't have a, he had no business doing that. And he bought me my first guitar. And that did something to me. That supernaturally did something to me. After that, I didn't even know how to play it. So another Ananias comes along. His name is Mike, Mike Hurst. And some of y'all know Mike Hurst. He's a man. I love Mike. They, that became like a second family to me. And Mike took me in. And he not only taught me how to play guitar, he taught me how to be a worshiper. He taught me how to lead worship. And he gave me chances when I did not deserve it to lead worship, to make mistakes. I'm talking on Sunday morning at church. I'm not like, put me up there. And I was so bad. Like, it was not good, you know. And he would let me just be bad. And he threw me in the deep end and he made me better. And that grew into a, a mentorship where, like, man, he was in my wedding. And Mr. Aaron, who bought me the guitar, any major milestone in my life, he's one of the first phone calls I made because I wanted to know, like, hey, you followed God years ago, and look at the outcome, right? Uh, after that, there was a guy named John Rebell who was an Ananias to me. Time in my life where um, there was a lot going on in our family, and John took me in, taught me how to study God's word, taught me how to love God's word. He put me in a group of people that were like me, that I, I every week went to a group called Delta Chi there, super Christian, cheesy, nerdy stuff going on there, okay? Uh, but he taught me how to love God's word. And John did our wedding. And I wouldn't have anyone else come to it. I love John. John's now, he, he's a chaplain for a police department up in Connecticut. One of his first weeks on the job was the Sandy Hook tragedy. Perfect person to be there for that. John came into my life when I needed it. He was an Ananias to me. Uh, another person, a guy named Brian Mills. He was my first big boy boss. I had my first big boy job. He hired me, my very first job. Uh, paid me nothing, right? But he taught me. He, he paid me in, in what he taught me. 
He taught me what it looks like to work hard and to do something with excellence. And he, I, me and him would get so mad. At him. He, I'll get so mad at him. You ever had a coach where you're like, I love you, but I want to kill you right now. Like that was Brian. I loved working for Brian. He would push me so hard. And there are stuff that happens at this church today because I worked for Brian Mills. And he, he was Ananias to me. I didn't know how to have a job. I didn't do it. Dude, I, don't, I didn't go to college. I don't know how to work, you know. And, and he taught me how to work, what it looks like. He's the one that I first person I ever heard said, there's always something on the other side of your obedience. And look, it made it in the message today. All right, there's another, there's another couple, Todd and Julie Mullins. They were Ananias to me. Man, we moved to, to South Florida. We had just had a really bad church experience where we were. And uh, right before I left, my boss looked at me at my last the church I was at at that time and said, hey, uh, you're leaving, but just know the grass ain't always greener. And I'm like, that was real encouraging. Thank you, buddy, on the way out, you know. And so we get there, and I am just so gunshot because I'm like, I can't trust these people. And the grass ain't always greener. And that just kind of stuck with me a little bit. And one day something clicked, and I thought, the grass sometimes is a little greener. Why? Because people can take care of their yard. You know, like it's a culture thing. And Todd and Julie, they were the pastors of our last church. Our church quite literally would not exist without these people. You wouldn't be sitting in these seats if it weren't for Todd and Julie. Y'all might not ever meet them, but they made one of the very first major financial investments into our church. Not only that, we worked under them at Christ Fellowship for six, five, six years. And I'm telling you, our faith was able to grow in a, in a way that we were able to say yes to this. They were an, an, an Ananias to us. Uh, a couple other people. I'm just going to keep going. Reeves and Jen Wilder. Some of y'all know Reeves. He's come and preached here before. They're at Disney World right now, and they just got over COVID. So moment of silence for them because they're about to walk a lot. Uh, but they're some of our best friends. They were at our training when we were learning how to plant a church that didn't matter because we planted during a pandemic, right? Like all that training kind of went out the window. But they were there. And I can't tell you how many times they've stepped in when I needed it the most. Man, I would call them sometimes, like, I want to quit. I, I cannot stand this. I, I, you feel, I feel like this ain't working, you know. And I'm, I'm calling Reeves and Jen, and he, I call him probably once a day. We talk almost every day. And God's used them to un help me understand that we're not alone. There's people in our corner that love us. They've been Ananias to us. The last people I'll tell you about are Keith and Carrie Coffin. Woo, I love Keith and Carrie Coffin. I met Keith out of a crazy inconvenient story. Man, don't miss what God wants to do when you're inconvenienced. I was hitchhiking. I swear this is true for those of you. I'll tell this story sometime. I was hitchhiking on an interstate in South Carolina. Long story. All right. And uh, I literally had made a sign in my journal that said, I'm vaxxed and nice. I just need a ride. You know, I literally, I still have it in my journal. I'll bring it in. And a guy picks me up, not Keith takes me to his house after I'd asked him not to do this. I'm thinking, I'm going to end up in this dude's deep freezer, right? Like, uh, uh, they're going to have to come find me. I'm FaceTiming Stephanie. And I'm like, I'm like, I need my phone to be pinging off of every cell tower. They got to know where I am, right? And I get to uh, Joe, is his name. I get to Joe's house. Joe happened to be a pastor, by the way, which, thank God. Yes, I see side back there like, oh, it's, I felt the same way. Trust me. Well, Keith is another ARC church pastor. I called Keith. I said, Keith, you don't know me, and this is going to be the weirdest phone call you've had all day. And I let him know my car broke down. I just need, I need a ride. Keith takes me, literally comes pick me up from this guy's house. 30 seconds later, we see, I told you I'm not going to tell a story. I'm going to tell a story. <laughs> 30 seconds after I get in Keith's car, I don't even know his wife's name yet. And his kids are in there. We see a guy get riding a scooter get hit by a car. Uh, yes, unbelievable. 
And Keith was a first responder. He was a police officer for a long time. So he goes into first responder mode. I don't. I'm a pastor. I'm like, I go into pastor mode. I go to the guy that hit the dude in the car. I just give him a hug. I'm like, hey. The guy ended up being okay. I don't think this dude's big toe was okay, but everything, he lived. He was okay. But this is how I met Keith. I mean, I'm talking, it's the craziest story of all time. They're some of our best friends now. And, and they have been an Ananias. I didn't even know I needed it at that moment. I'm hitchhiking off the side of the road. Next thing I know, I'm saving a guy's life with Keith. But man, Keith and Carrie have become some of our closest friends. And they have opened their home to us. Anytime we've needed just a few days off, I mean, we just go over to South, to South Carolina where they live in Spartanburg. And we go stay at their house. We have fun. And, and, they've, become a, uh, and they've become an oasis to us. They've been an Ananias to me. But God, I think, is calling a lot of you to be an Ananias to others. I wouldn't be up here if it weren't for all these people. You don't know what's on the other side of your yes to God. You don't know. There's, there, are, there are things inside of people in seed form. They haven't grown yet. And they're waiting on someone like you to come by and unlock that thing inside of them. Like, you, you hold the key. God's giving you, and, and this is the way God designed it. He's put you where you are right now for a purpose and for a reason. But some of us are so good at the but God. No, 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 no. I, I don't have time. I just can't. That's too much work. I don't know enough. I, you don't, I'm not qualified. Like, I don't, I don't really know the Bible. I don't even know where the books of the Bible are. Like, I, I don't even, I, I'm not, God wouldn't. Yeah, he does want to use you. He does. And I just want to tell you right now, I'm going to be shameless about this. The best place that we do that here at Oasis Church, where you have an environment where you can be an Ananias to someone else, is our groups. God designed you to live in with other people, in community with other people. And man, has the last two years torn us apart from community. We can't be around people. I mean, I can't tell how many people we brought food to because they didn't have anybody when COVID hits. You got COVID, let us know. We'll, we'll bring you food. I'll give you a DoorDash gift card. That's what we're here for. I love it. I want to be that for you. But guess what? Other people want to be that for you too. Other people need to know what's going on inside of your life. Well, Clint, if I tell them, they're going to judge me. No, they're not. If you tell them what's really going on in your life, they're going to look at you and go, me too. That's going to happen, I'm telling you. But the best way you can be an Ananias to somebody is to get in a group with them. Do life with them. And I'm just, just going to tell you, because we're in charge of our groups here, you, I don't care why you have a group. I really don't. You can go study Revelation and try to predict when Jesus is going to come back for all I care. Or if you like to work out, Make that a group. If you like to quilt, make that a group. I don't care why you meet. I just want you to meet. I just want you to get with people. Because there's too many Ananiases. There are too many Saul. We need to get together and see what happens. Because you're going to unlock something inside of somebody. And, and you'll never, we'll never get to see the potential inside somebody until we unlock it. And so, listen, our groups are starting in two weeks. And you got time. You can sign up for one right now. Or... What I would love for some people to do in here is start a group. Oh, but Clint, but Lord, 
right? You know, the excuses are already starting in your brain. I can, I can hear it right now. All you need to, let me just, I'll, I'll cut the, I'll, I'll ease the tension a bit, right? To lead a group in our church, you need to open your door and put out a snack tray. I, that's literally, that's all I'm asking you to do. I'm not asking you to have all the answers. I swear, I'm being so serious. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to know where all the answers are. I, I don't. I'm the pastor of the Dagum Church, and I don't have all the answers. But man, here at Oasis Church, one of our core values, we're committed to community. I'm not committed to Bible study. That will happen. I'm committed to community. I don't care why you think. I just want to, I want you to lead a group. Well, I don't even, I don't even, I don't even remember here. I don't care. I really don't. Well, none of my friends go here. I don't care. I, 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 I know it's crazy. I don't. I, I just want your people that you're in contact with, get them in a group where they can, we can see that seed inside of them grow. Put them in a position where they can grow. All the men in here, let me tell you, I'm leading a men's group. And we're going to go through a book called Way to Win, and all of you need to be. That's going to be awesome. And I'll buy the book for you. you don't, it won't cost you a dime. Our church, we have a very generous church. We'll buy it, and we'll pay for it. I'll just, just get there. Just get there. We'll, we'd love to get to know you. We'll trade off who gets to host it and all that kind of, I don't care. Listen, I just want you to get there. Make it a priority. Lead a group. Because when you get in that environment, guess what? You're becoming an Ananias to a Saul. You're unlocking that thing inside of somebody. And we have a group leader training next Sunday on Zoom. Just log on, turn off your camera, just listen to me talk. That's all I ask, all right? Here's, I'll give you the gist of it. Don't be doing an MLM at our groups and don't be taking up money at our groups, okay? No one wants to buy your oils, all right? And you don't need to take up money for anything, okay? That's all I care. I, like, there, there's, more, there's more than that. There's a lot more spiritual than that. But that's, that's like the kind of stuff we want to train you on, okay? Like this isn't your time for Mary Kay. You know, I, don't, I, don't, I, I love it. If you want to get it, get it, whatever. But not at group time. All right, but I'm serious. We have a group. I, I, I hope that there are people in here that's like, you know what, I'll give it a shot. And guess what? You don't have to meet every week. We do our groups in, in semesters. So, man, you only have a little bit of time. Like, it's not like we're asking you to do this forever. No, do it for 12 weeks. That's how long the semester is. And guess what? You can only meet four times in that whole time. Meet once a month. Meet every other week. Like, I'm not asking you to just change everything. No, no, no. Demystify all this stuff. Just lead a group when you can. Take something you already do and turn it in. If you like to golf, my goodness, how many people would love to go be in a golf group? You're stuck with them for hours. And so, hey, why not have a little group? Pray a little bit. Sam is back there. He's about to start a, a golf group. Come on. I love it. Uh, but I'm serious. I, I lead a group because I, this is a, it's not about, I don't care how many, how many groups we have. I really don't. I care about some Ananias finding some Saul's and seeing what Saul's are out there. Because you don't know what's on the other side of you leading a group. Man, you could have someone come to your group that's a little that's in the life stage under you or a few life stages under you, and they need to see what a godly marriage looks like. They need to see what a godly parent looks like because they didn't have good parents. And that alone, just being in that environment, is going to help them go. I don't have a clue. We studied in our group, but I can tell you right now that you know uh, Mike loved me. Like he would always. They were always so nice. They you know they, man, she made these best sauces, pinwheels. They were so good. They they're going to remember that type of stuff. That stuff matters. It really does. And so here's what I want to do today. All right, we're going to end. I need to stop anyway. We're getting a little over on time. Is everyone in here should have a connect card? All right, hold your connect card. Okay, that one right here. But if you don't, I'll get you one uh, because I want I want to just and you're like I filled one out last week. That's cool. Fill out another one. All right, I'm not going to do anything weird. I know we dropped off a little gift for you. I hope y'all enjoyed that. But 
um, on here, you can say, hey, I'd love to learn more about small groups. Boom, that's right down here. If you want to join a group, do that. Fill that out right now. Like, as I'm talking right now, fill this out. Say, I want to know more about small groups. Or, hey, I want to lead a group. If you want to do that, write that in right there. I want to lead a group. And I, and I will call you tomorrow. I promise you, because I leave to go to town on Tuesday. I'll call you tomorrow, and I'll say, hey, what kind of group you want to lead? Man, I love playing pickup basketball at the Y. I'll start one there. Perfect. And I'll put it on a website. People can go, and they can join your group, and you can play basketball and go, how can I pray for you this week? Man, that's awesome. I'm going to pray for you, man. I, I dealt with that one time. Let me tell you how, how God helped me. Boom. Pray. You're out. That's, that's what I'm asking you to do. It's nothing crazy. If you want to lead a group, lead a group. If you want to be in a group, hit that card, fill it out, all right? And, and just so that I know I've got to get this person information about small groups, I will get you that information. And you can go on our website. So you can go on our website right now and look at the groups. Right now we have our men's group up there. I know Jordan that's running the slides back here. He's, he's going to start a men's group at his house. They're going to do bonfires out there and just hang out and talk and have some fun. We've got a ladies group that Stephanie's starting. I'm looking for somebody to do a couple, a married couples group. All right, and we have a freedom group starting. Man, freedom is awesome. Freedom is, man, there's stuff in my life that I've never really dealt with. Freedom group is for you. And that honestly is everybody. Just so be just so y'all, just so y'all know. You need to be in a freedom group. Freedom groups are awesome. Ryan, he's got COVID right now, he ain't here. He's leading our freedom group. And man, that that is awesome. That actually ends with the conference that you can go to in Birmingham. And it will it will legitimately change your life. If it doesn't, I'll give you your money back. All right. I'm serious. It's really, really great. Um, that's happening. We have a, if you have a, uh, if you're a mom in here with kids, we have a nature walk group with moms with kids and you take your kids, we go to different parts. I, I don't, but <laughs> Stephanie goes and you take them to different parks and you do a little nature walk. Miss Sadie that's in our kids space right now. She leads that. It's stuff like that. It's fun. Get in a group. You're an Ananias. People need you. They need you to be there. It ain't about our church. They don't even have to come here to be in a group. I really, I, I really don't care. I hope they do. I love our church. But man, they don't have to. I just want to see people get changed for the gospel, for, for the kingdom of God. That's what I want. So I want you to feel that if that's you, in a second we're going to come down and we're going to pass the buckets. And if that's you, just drop it in there and we'll get you some information. All right, let's start our heads and let's close our eyes real quick. Maybe you're in here. Man, you haven't even started a relationship with Jesus. Um, yeah, you haven't even started a relationship with Jesus yet. And you're like, Clint, all this stuff, I don't even know what I think about this. But let me tell you, man, the first step in your life is starting a relationship with Jesus. And if that's you, and man, you want to make that decision today, I'm going to say a prayer up here. And then listen, the prayer is not magical. It's not about what we say. It's about the position of our hearts. And this prayer is just a way to articulate what's going on in your heart right now. And if you want to give your life to Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. And just in your heart, silent to yourself, just say, Dear God, I need you. God, I, I, I ask you to come into my life. I thank you for what you did for me on the cross and paid for my sins. And in the best way I know how, I will live for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, give give people a hand in here that may have made that decision. I think that's awesome. Hey, uh, am I, you doing it? Okay, I thought uh, you asked. Me too. Okay, okay, great. Um, all right, well, we're going to move in really quick uh, as we wrap up here into our time of giving. And if this is your first time here, please understand, 
I don't want your money. I really don't today, all right? So don't feel obligated to give. I do want a Connect card, but this is your first time here. I'd love to get a Connect card on you. Your gift to us today can just be this right here. And uh, what we typically do is we'll send you a couple texts this week about, hey, welcome to the church. Hey, how can we pray for you? And it's a good way for us to communicate with you a little bit. And it's a good way for us to serve you. If you do come down with COVID and you need some meals and you need a DoorDash gift card, <coughs> man, I, I bought, I've kept DoorDash in business. Let me just tell you, we're sending out this stuff. We know who to send it to. We know the email to send it to. We know the phone number to send it to, whatever we can to help you to be on here. So we can serve you. Right, or fill this out if it's your first time, and that's all we ask from you today. We don't, we don't expect you to give financially, but if this is your church home, or like, hey, I, I'm liking what's happening here, uh, we we do uh, a time of giving, and it's a part of our worship because I believe that, man, we bring our tithes to God. And what does that mean? We'll do a whole series on it later, but a tithe is a tenth. And so, what we teach here is, man, if this is your home church, man, we'd love for you to partner with us financially and be a part of the tithe. And we, we understand that the Bible teaches that. The first 10% of our income, it doesn't even belong to us. It belongs to God. And so we bring our tithes. It's one of the things that Steph and I do. We don't even think about it. We have it set up on automatic giving on us. But it's, I mean, we give to this church as much as we possibly can. And let me just tell you, when you give to Oasis, you're giving to Life Church. And we give out free meals out here all the time. We've done that. We've probably done that 12 times over the course of the last you know, 18 months. We love it. It helps us serve our community. It helps us, man, do the things that your kids are doing over there right now, by the way. Uh, man, you should ask them, hey, what was the big lesson you learned? And they'll go, self-control. Is that what they're learning this week? Yeah, they're learning, or this month, they're learning self-control. That little Bible verse, they can probably tell it to you when, you when you go ask them. Well, that helps us do that in there in a way that it helps them learn it on their level. So in a second, I'm going to pray. We're going to walk down the aisles if you want to do anything. Certainly, there's no obligation. Uh, drop the card in there if you want. And if you want to bring an offering or tithe, you can drop it in there then. But I'm going to pray, bless our offering. I have a couple announcements, then we're going to get out of here. God, I pray you bless this time of giving, God. I thank you, and you have blessed us. I love that this church is outrageously generous. And that means, God, that we're going to bless others with the blessings that you've given us. And so, God, uh, I pray we view our things uh, with an open hand, God. We hold them with an open hand. So, Jesus, I pray you bless this offering and, and the things that have been given and uh, we love you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, a couple things really quick to announce as they're passing the buckets is we have, throw up the, there you go, right here, Growth Track. All right, so Growth Track, we talked about it a little bit last week. If you're new here and you're like, yeah, I kind of like this, right? It's just jiving with me a little bit. Come to Growth Track. That's going to be on a Saturday. It's going to be on uh, February 5th. Yeah, like this coming six days from now. All right, so this coming Saturday. We're going to have it here from 9 to 12, all right? And what the, that is is an opportunity for you to get to know who we are. So we'll spend half the time talking about who is Oasis? Why did we come to Hendersonville, Tennessee? Who were Clinton Stephanie? Uh, how are you structured? Like, what's your, do you have accountability? All, all of this kind of stuff, we're going to give you all the information you could want. But really, we want to tell you the purpose of our church. I mean, our purpose of our church, we want people to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, so they can make a difference. And you're going to learn about all that at Growth Track. But the best thing about Growth Track is not that. I want you to leave knowing enough about our church so you can decide, like, this can be our church or not, because I want you in a local church. It doesn't have to be this church, but you're going to learn about our church, a real track. Then you can make the decision whether we're the right fit for you or not. So that's going to happen on Saturday, but also what happens at Growth Track is, man, we give you an assessment, a spiritual gifts and personality assessment. God's given you a gift, and God's given you a personality. Well, where those in intersect is, I believe, what your purpose in life is. 
And we're going to teach you what that is and how you can leverage that to influence the people around you and how you can leverage that to make a difference. Because God's given all this a purpose. He's given all these different gifts. And when we put those different gifts together, it makes something beautiful. You're going to learn that at Grow Track as well. The second thing I want to talk to you about is our small groups. I just spent the whole daggum message talking about this, okay? But serious, go to our website, oasistn.church. That's our website, www.oasistn.church. Yep, and all the and this is the list of groups we have on our website right now is going to continue to grow as more of you decide to lead groups. So check back there. If you want to just default to one, if you're a guy, come join my group. If you're a lady, come join Stephanie's group. Um, that'll be the easiest thing for you to do. And uh, you're going to, they typically go to Panera, hang out, and go to some. You're doing black press now. Come on, they're getting fancy. Panera is just a step above hospital food, let's be honest. All right, so we just upgraded right there. That's pretty good. Y'all are laughing because you know it's true. Don't lie, don't lie. And it's real expensive. So anyway, um, uh, anyway, I didn't even know what I was talking about. Groups. So yeah, go to our website and find a group. Sign up for a group. But hey, we love you guys so much. Yeah, you can sign up for Growth Track on our website as well. Just go to our website. Our website, our Instagram, our Facebook, all the same thing. OasisTN.Church. Oh, and uh, sorry. I mean, I feel like she needs to just be up here doing this. Okay. Uh, I told her not to. <laughs> So for Growth Track, we'll have childcare provided, and we will provide lunch. We'll have some, like, coffee and some, like, stuff for breakfast. It's not like a full breakfast. Yeah, snacky stuff. So we'll have lunch provided. So you, if you do want to come, let us know so that we're ready for you and so that we can get meals and all that kind of stuff done, all right? And uh, so, anyway, is that everything? I think that's great. Okay, great. Hey, uh, we love you guys so much, and I'm, we're so honored that you all come and just even just check us out. I think it's awesome. Um, and uh, it just, it literally, I get tickled every time I'm standing out there. I'm like, a car came out. I don't, I don't even know these people. That's crazy, right? Like, it's, it's awesome. So we're just, we, it is not lost on us. We love it when people come and just check out what's going on here. But our main goal is we want to connect with you. All right? So, man, I'm going to be out here. I'd love to meet you if I haven't got a chance to meet you. Stephanie will be out there, too. Our team would love to meet you. But, man, we love you so much. Cannot wait for next week. We're going to talk about We Over Me. How tonight we talked about, or today we talked about how people need you. Next week is you need people. All right. And so we're going to talk about that next week as well. Hey, y'all have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday at 10 or at Growth Track on Saturday.